God's good, isn't he? Thank you, Jesus. Let's see. Should have had this open, but I was had other things on my mind. Tonight, we're going <clears> to <throat> continue talking about victorious mindsets, which is something we started a few weeks ago, but we've taken um, a couple of weeks off from that. The week before last, I believe we had, a, didn't we have a dinner, our Valentine party? And then last week, we talked and had a teaching on um, how to receive, seven ways to receive a word of knowledge. I do want you to encourage you to get that CD and, and, uh, if, if, and, listen to it if you didn't get it um i've told some books to get and i'll be glad to tell you again any of them if anybody needs to know that you can study on that and uh, takes practice but god wants us all operating in the gifts of the spirit hallelujah word of knowledge is uh hallelujah for everybody we need it in our lives, our personal lives. We need it where to, to minister healing and salvation out into the highways and hedges. You're going to get more done if you op, if you are using word of knowledge to minister to people and then praying for their healing and getting them saved than if you just uh, if you just go in there because people are uh, touched that God loves them enough to show you something about their lives and and that is it is a demonstration of God's love so be sure and get those uh, that CD and you can order that tonight <clears throat> so uh, I want to talk about victorious mindsets and get back in the swing of that um, our goal in the vic in having a victorious mindset is to think like and live like a new creation We've been made a new creation. In, in the twinkling of an, of an eye, in an um, atomic second, after you said, Jesus Christ, come into my heart, I want to make you my Savior, my Lord, He came in and you were made a new creation. Old things were passed away. Behold, all things became new. And that happened in your spirit man. And so the truth is that that's where you were born again is in the spirit man. We are a three-part being. First... Uh, First, the second Thessalonians chapter five said, I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that we're three parts. We're spirit, we're soul, and we are body. And so your spirit became saved. And the Bible also teaches that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, that your spirit was sealed. Salvation's not going to leak out of your spirit. Hallelujah. It's going to stay. It's there to stay. There's only one way to get unsaved. You cannot get unsaved by missing the mark and sinning. But but uh, but sinning is foolish, but uh, but you cannot get unsaved by that. You can only get unsaved by by uh, renouncing. And Hebrews explains that, how you can renounce Jesus Christ as your Savior. Deny Him, say you don't want Him in your life, and you would have to be of sound mind. In doing that, there are people that are sick in their minds that curse God, shake their fists at God. That is not, you have to be of sound mind. You have to know what you're doing and, and deny Him and uh, to, uh, to get unsaved. And once you're unsaved, you can't come back again. You will never come back again. Uh, if you uh, so you're either saved or you're not and you can't come back if you've been saved and then you you've left and you can study that out in the book of Hebrews it's very plain it doesn't even it doesn't take you don't need a preacher to tell you it is so plain in the book of Hebrews um, 
and uh, somebody can tell you the chapter on that. I don't have that right on the tip of my tongue. Um, anyway, so we want to, but we want our soul, which is our mind, our will, and emotions, to to uh, be renewed as well as our spirit. So we want to live and think like, and we have to think like the new creation in order to live like a new creation. We have we want to be renewed in our attitude, in word and deed. If you're living like the world, if you're just like everybody else at Hillcrest High School, at Hillcrest Middle School, and I'm just on this side of towns, but any of the other schools, just like everybody else at Alabama, just like everybody else at Shelton State, then you are not living like the new creation. If you have the, if you like the same things they like, you don't, you do not have new creation attitude, new creation. Uh, you do not have the word of God abiding in you because you can't, you can't do both. You can't have both. It, you, you're not going to be able to have both. You have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. And that decision has to be, you cannot live under a, the blessings of a renewed mind and have the attitudes and the values systems and, uh, and uh, live like the world. Live like what you see in the movies with the morals that the movies have. You, that is not our way of life. We only with our eyes do we behold and see what the wicked do and the reward they get. And there is a reward for sin. Sinning is so dumb for a Christian because even though you may not go to hell, it's like handing the devil the keys to your car. Whatever the devil can find in you, he will latch on to it. And you, you will, it will be, you, you sin and you think I'm going to get by with this. And that's the devil's trick. He does not, you do not sin one day and the devil wham you the next and he's red and he's got a pitchfork in his hand and, and a, forked tail and pointy ears and you go oh my gosh i did that yesterday and the devil got me no he's very sly he's very deceptive he will let you go month after month after month practicing sin and seemingly nothing happens and one day you look over and he's driving the car and you're sitting in the passenger seat and you can't get him out because then it'll take deliverance It'll not only take up repentance, it's going to take deliverance then. Because now he's in control. So that's why we don't sin. Even though we're under grace. Now, I love Joseph Prince and I believe in the grace message. But grace is given to us so that we don't have to sin. And he teaches that. You can hear what you want to. You can just hear one side of it. So that we don't have to sin, we can quit sinning. And we, know, we do not have to live with the consequences of sin the rest of our life. That's what grace is, is that I don't have to live with the consequences of sin for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. I like Joseph Prince. I, like the, I hear other preachers say they don't like him, but I like him. I think grace is freeing. I like to hear grace preached and I, you know, and I like, you know, Pastor Buzzy, he preached grace and he preached, you know, grace, the only reason grace, and this is one thing that Joseph Prince doesn't put the emphasis as much there, but he does. I've read some of his books, but grace, um, uh, grace is really just who you are in Christ and who Jesus, who, who God is. If, if you don't have a basis of who you are in Christ, then, then grace will never, you won't even, you won't know why it works and when it works. But the reason grace works is because who we've been made in Christ, because of the new birth. I've been born again, so therefore I have grace. And uh, so, uh, 
<clears throat> Hallelujah. And so I have grace not to sin. I have a grace on me to resist temptation. I have a grace on me that makes me not have to give in to that. And, and if I do slip, if I do slip and I sin, well, I don't have to live with the consequences the rest of my life. I can walk free again. So that's, that's what grace is. Anyway, Pastor Buzzy said, you remember him saying this, I know you'll remember, he preached on grace and who you are in Christ, and he said, he told the Lord, said, Lord, it'd take me 10 years to get this message out if I preach night and day. And he said, the Lord spoke back to him and said, it won't take me that long. And I, I've thought about that often because I thought, you know, Pastor Buzzy went on. But God raised up Andrew Woman and Joseph Prince, and guess what? It didn't take God that long. That grace message is just about everywhere now. But there's a lot of preachers that are religious that are fighting it. We had somebody tell us this week that he said, man, if, we, if that Joseph Prince don't get shut, shut down, he's going to have all of us sinning. <laughs> it's like, well, he ain't going to have me sinning. Is, he gonna, is Joseph Prince going to make you sin because you learned about grace? No, I'm excited about grace. I don't have to sin. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I don't have to live under condemnation for past mess-ups and past sins. Hallelujah. I'm free. Uh, praise God. But grace is not a license, and Joseph Prince does not preach this. He is, it is not a license to live in sin, to continue sinning. And I'm telling you, you keep on. The devil be driving your car. He'll be controlling you. And, and I'm telling you what, he'll run it into a tree post too. And don't blame God. Praise God. I don't know where we got that, but amen. So we're going to live like we're a new creation. That's where we've got it. And we're going to think like I'm a new creation. Why would a new creation want to sin? You'd have to be supernaturally deceived by the devil to want to sin because the wages of sin are death. What you sow, you're going to reap. Hallelujah. And it's not that you, you, you don't have to see that's another thing about grace. Grace is you don't have to fear God when you sin. You better fear the devil, though. Because what he finds in you, he'll latch on to. And it'll take you down. Thank you, Jesus. And I can I watch people sometimes and I see the level of blessing on their life. And there's a level of there's a blessing that comes on you from uh choosing right and there's peace for one thing. I hate to be under condemnation and conviction. I hate to just be living under this. I know I'm in sin. I know I just don't want to live there. I don't want to live there for one minute. Glory to God. So in the new birth, we were given inner resources to be and do what the Bible says. You you don't tell me you don't have what it takes to not sin. You do. It's inside you. You came with the new birth. You cannot say it's just too hard not to sin. You're just with the wrong people, keeping the wrong company, watching the wrong... You know, if you sit and watch sin all day, you're going to go out and do it. If you're hanging with people that like to sin, you're going to sin with them. Amen. So we have grace. Praise God for grace. But you know what Hebrews says? It says, grace to help. Grace to help. Call on the help of the Lord and get out get out from underneath it. So we are undergoing transformation by thinking right. That was not our victorious mindset, but we do have to think right. Uh, we need to think right personally and relationally. And uh, 
hallelujah, I, I don't know about you, but I'm being renewed in the spirit of my mind. I am, I am, I am, I'm there. I'm getting a victorious mindset in a lot of areas. I've been, I've had a, a year or two of cleaning house. Hallelujah. Because I don't want the devil to say, well, I don't want him to be able to say, well, I have a right to put that on her because this is what she's got in her life. She's got this unforgiveness or she's got this. I don't want him to be able to say that. So I've been digging deep, going for the root, laying the axe at the root of the tree. Getting my soul prospering in every area. Not putting up with uh, a lot of things that, you know, we can put up with and worrying and fretting and, and uh, you know, disobedience. I'm not putting up with any of it in my life. Amen. And, uh, what, and one thing that started happening is my soul started prospering. I could tell it was prospering. Now, you know, it's pro- if you're wondering if your soul's prospering, it's not. You can tell it when it starts prospering. It's like, you know what, you know, Garland, you know what it is? It's like all of a sudden you're happy. It's like, oh my, I'm happy. Even though every circumstance in my life is not lined up. But I just have, I just feel happy on the inside. Amen. And so my soul started prospering. So you may not have seen that because sometimes when we start progressing in the Lord, it's hidden. But it is progressive and it is cumulative and this blessing and this mind renewal and this getting and working in these the areas of victorious mindsets and letting God clean house. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, and, and uh, we listened to the uh, CDs, Kathleen, and thank you all so much for them and hope to show those to the church. We've been, we prayed those prayers. We said amen. We stood up in our living room. Did y'all? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, Praise God and oh man that was awesome. So we're we're thinking we're going to show those to the church some DVDs uh, that the No Dines gave us. So we'll pray about that and see when. Okay, let's turn over to Romans twelve too. You know, uh, Pastor Avery started praying this a, a year or so ago because we were out at his church last summer. We went about every Sunday night out to pray with him and his church and just to help them. But also, I just like to get in the atmosphere of faith and believing and love to pray. So we'd go out there and he started having his church praying about being willing to change. We're willing to change. And that's that's where we've got to be is I'm willing to change, Lord. And uh, and I, I, I put myself under you. You are Lord. Show me anything that I need to change. Show me anything that's not profitable to me. Show me anything that I'm I want. I'm willing. You got to get willing. Amen. Praise God. So Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has a perfect will. Amen. And I want to be in the perfect will of God. I don't want to just be in the acceptable will of God. Amen. Some people say that's all one and the same, but I don't think it is. I think there's levels. Because I say that because this is kind of a pattern in the Word of God. The blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear. There's kind of 30, 60, 100 fold. It kind of fits with a pattern that's throughout the Scriptures in different areas. I believe there's the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. But I can tell you, sin is not one in the good or acceptable or perfect will of God. A life of sin. Thank you, Jesus. It's not good, it's not acceptable, and it's not perfect. Does that mean God loves you any less? Not at all. Does that mean God's not for you? No, He's for you. 
Does that mean God won't bless you? He'll get all the blessings to you that he can. Because the good and the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Hallelujah. Does that mean the devil will take advantage of you? He will. He will. Sin will, one year somebody said sin will always take you further than you meant to go, keep you longer than you meant to stay. I don't remember all the rest of it. Cost you more than you meant to pay. Hallelujah. That's, a, that's good old Baptist stuff there. Amen. So uh, 2 Timothy 2. I'm not here to preach condemnation to you. I believe God loves the homosexual. I believe he, I believe he, uh, um, but I don't believe he approves of homosexuality. He, you know, God's got this, it's hard for us to understand because we're humans. So unless we get in the spirit, but God's got this unique ability to love us and, and separate us from the sin and love us, love us as the person and not, not, not approve of the sin. And, uh, but as humans, we kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, it's like, if, if you're in homosexuality, I don't want nothing, I don't like you. Uh, I don't want nothing to do with you, but the homosexuals need uh, the church to love them as well as God. Amen. Second Timothy 2. But that doesn't mean we need to approve of their lifestyles. That doesn't mean they need to be our BFFs. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. You know, uh, although homosexuals are usually tremendous, uh, men, homosexual men are tremendously pleasant to be around. Homosexual women, not generally so. But homosexual men, and they like all the things us girls like, you know. So uh, they do. They do. They're the best decorators on HGTV. <laughs> they are. And HGTV has a huge homosexual agenda. Oh, they are promoting it like everything and uh and and they're good i mean there's not anybody there's not a man on there that i can think of that's well yeah there is there probably is i can think of some couples that are on there the novogratz there's like two couples on the uh, the hgtv that are decorators that aren't gay <laughs> but anyway so god's not against that is my point i mean he's not against them he's against the sin second timothy 2 21 if a man therefore purge himself, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. If he sanctify himself from these things, God is God is a, a holy God, and He. He, we're, to live, we're to live holy lifestyles. Holiness is out of fashion in the church in the past few years, but it's not out of fashion with God. Amen. So we're to purge ourselves, not only from a lifestyle of sin, but anything that's not a victorious mindset. Let's purge ourselves of that, okay? So that we would be a vessel of honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. A renewed mind is something the pa the, the 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 pastor too, but uh, the uh, the Lord can use. He can use a renewed mind. It's hard for him to use a mind that is totally and completely unrenewed. Things like the world, 
uh, or and you know sometimes we think worldly thinking that's just all sexual perversion but you know there's ways of thinking about money there's ways of thinking about everything or that are worldly ways of thinking and uh, uh, so a vessel of honor fit for the master's news prepared unto every good work and that's one thing that we're doing in getting these victorious mindsets is we're prepared for something that's coming that's really really big because when the revival comes the revival is going to be a tremendous amount of blessing when continued revival comes. I believe I'm always in a certain amount of revival, and we are at this church. But when continued day in and day out revival comes, it's going to be a tremendous blessing, but it's also going to be tremendous pressure. And you know what comes to the surface when you get under pressure? All your flaws, all your weaknesses come to the surface. Now, we learned that when we were Christian school administrators and teachers. We went to training, and Dr. Howard, who wrote the ACE curriculum, uh, he said the pressure of the classroom will cause the weaknesses of the children to come to the surface. And boy, did it ever. It did, did it ever. The weaknesses of the children, and these were Christian children, from Christian homes. Their parents were paying money to send them to this school that we had. And these were Christian children. Their parents were praying and coming to church. They were in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. They were in Christian school all week. But those flaws, those character flaws, those weaknesses would just come right up to the sur surface, the pressure of the classroom. Hallelujah. And that's, what, that, that's a good thing. That's not like, oh, my word. Let's send them to public school so we can keep all that junk hidden and they can deal with it the rest of their life. No, let's get those things in the surface in our lives. Hallelujah. And let's look them square in the eye. Let's don't run from our Goliaths. And let's slay those boogers. Hallelujah. So if you have a, if something starts coming to the surface, hallelujah. And, I, and we go through seasons of that where it's like, man, I'm dealing with everything in my life. And then we... Feel like for a while, boy, I got it conquered, man. I tell you what, I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. I I'm I'm the bomb, you know. I tell you, I'm just I'm doing well. And then all of a sudden, here it comes back in. We go through a little season when it's like, where'd all this crud come from? Where'd all these bad attitudes? Even sometimes, you know, you hadn't said a curse word in ten years, and all of a sudden, a curse word will come out. You go, my lord, where'd that thing come from? And uh, uh, you know, because I heard plenty of them when I was growing up. <laughs> and uh so so there's some things got sewed down in there and and so then i'll be like oh man where'd that come from so you got you slay it once again you slay that thing again hallelujah none of y'all ever heard a curse word and never said one i know y'all are holy praise god i appreciate it <laughs> thank you jesus <laughs> oh hallelujah and then God will get on to you for crap. And <laughs> if you don't now, you better get on to you before you get little kids because then they go to school and say it. Say exactly everything you've been saying. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And tell, your, tell the teacher what you said about them too. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ooh, that's fun, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. Uh, so uh, then verse 25, 
says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. I don't want to oppose myself, do you? But that's what having an unrenewed mind does, is we're not thinking like God, so we're opposing ourselves. That's exactly what happens if we, so we're, we're getting these, uh, these uh, new victorious mindsets. And so, certainly, they're not all inclusive. I mean, God's going to have to show you things that you need to think different. But that's what the church is for. Listen with the intent to hear. Listen with willingness to be corrected in the, in the messages. and not, even, even a message that's not intended for correction. This victorious mindset, there's a certain amount of it that's intended to, to bless. And oh, we're excited about thinking right, but it's also intended to dig up what we're thinking wrong. But in every sermon, there's, God can use to say, you need to change how you're saying that. You need to change how you're thinking that. Hallelujah. So uh, one of the things we're doing is purging, purging out false beliefs. Another thing is purging out old paradigms. You know, things that were good in the 60s, even in the church. Revelation's progressive. That's not, there's higher ways to think. There's more, there's better ways to think. Hallelujah. We need to quit opposing ourselves. The battle in our lives, in our lives is between truth and lies. Truth and lies. My life is moved forward by good beliefs more than good conduct. Now, we're, we've talked about conduct, and so I'm balancing this message out. But you can have really moral conduct and still not have good beliefs and still not be moving forward. We could go to a lot of churches in town and find some very, very moral people, but they don't have a good belief. They don't have good doctrines. Hallelujah. And so we celebrate their morality and their commitment to Jesus Christ in that, but I don't want to think like them. Or if we do, we'll end up with no miracles, no power, no... So uh, it, we need to... So I'm transformed by what I believe. The renewed mind brings joy to others. If everybody gets mad when you walk in the room, your mind's probably not renewed. Hallelujah. We need a renewed mind. It'll bring joy to others. And I'm not talking about you might you being the life of the party. I'm not talking about you're the clown and everybody's cracking up. I'm talking about joy. Joy comes from hope. Joy is something that people, it's like all of a sudden people are relieved. They're hopeful again because you have a renewed mind and you're sharing uh, the right way to think. All falsehood in our life must come to the light. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, moving now into the two tonight victorious mindsets that we're going to cover. And this is number 12 as we've been going. And number 12 is, I have healthy, long-term relationships. Healthy, long-term relationships. I am overcoming being disconnected. Healthy, stressing the word healthy, and stressing the word long-term. Long-term relationships. Turn to James 1 and verse 12. I want to have healthy long-term relationships. And this is going to, this, this one, uh, we, you, this can apply to family. This can apply to marriage. We want healthy long-term marriages. We want healthy, long-term family relationships. We don't want broken families. We want healthy, long-term church relationships. I believe the worst problem that Tuscaloosa Christians have is most of them don't have long-term relationships. Let me say that again. 
the problem Tuscaloosa spirit-filled Christians have, let me say that again, is they do not have healthy long-term relationships with a pastor and with a church. They are, a lot of them are floaters. And a lot of Baptists are too. They just float from Baptist to Baptist to Baptist. There's some people that have been in churches forever. And I'm not saying there's not a time to leave a church. When you're growing and you can no longer grow in a church, it's time to leave. But, you know, God intended for our relationships with our church family to be long-term. He intended for every church to keep on progressing and moving forward so that everybody's always got growing still in it. And... uh uh, this is a problem in this county. I, I, I don't. I'm, say, I'm sure it's a problem everywhere. I'm not sure, but it wasn't where I grew up. It wasn't a problem, cause well, there was uh, there was a lot of more churches when we were young. Now there's a Baptist and an Assembly of God, and except for Hispanic churches, that's it. So nobody ever they get very long term relationships. Very very, they have a long term relationship with the Baptist church. Uh, there and a long-term relationship in the Assembly of God Church for those that are uh, a more spirit-filled, and uh, <clears throat> so. Um, but that's what we need to do, and we don't connect to a building. We don't connect even to a church. We connect to a pastor. I realize that's not the mindset we got coming out of the Baptist Church because Baptist pastors and Methodist pastors and other pastors. I, I'm sure all the other churches, and they all have different methods for doing this. But they get rid of their pastors. They stay for a very short time. Uh, some of them get, get gotten rid of because the deacon board gets rid of them. Or uh, in uh, my my grandfather used in the Methodist church, there was a uh, committee of some kind that took care of those things. And he, my grandfather called them the wrecking crew. <laughs> I don't know why he did, but he always called it the wrecking crew anyway. So that's a nice name for deacons and so forth. I don't know. And uh, uh, we know in, in the Assembly of God, it's elders and so forth. But uh, and but in the Assembly of God, it doesn't work the same way. The There's a higher up guy somewhere i don't know who he is exactly but he's kind of the overseer and he says oh you're moving to gulf shores oh you stayed three years now you're moving over here and now you're moving over here and now you're moving over there and so it's not even even if the congregation really wants the pastor it's like nope you can't have him and sometimes they'll take that into consideration but a lot of times they don't so we were trained up in this mindset of things aren't long term and we need to get where uh you know hallelujah Thank you, Jesus. And then we fostered it, you know, probably in other ways in the churches, too. And then we need long-term friendships. And this is, might be one of the areas that you have thought the least about and maybe are the weakest in is, a long-term friend, is long-term friendships. And we will talk about those in a minute. So we're in James chapter 1, verse 12. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So uh, overcoming temptation gets you a crown of life. And that can be temptations in relationships, but also temptations of any kind, of course. But there seems like in relationships, sometimes we're tempted to not overcome. But overcoming is uh, is a is a way to get a crown of life. And that's not just simply heaven rewards. That's also earthly rewards. Hallelujah. Christian maturity is enhanced by long-term relationships. In the family, 
there has to we need to see the family unit and I'm not talking about marriage now but it would include marriage but I'm talking about with your children we need to see the importance of family relationships and uh, extended family relationships but we also need to have balance in those in those areas um, and you know that comes as the children grow older there's going to have to be transitions I actually know some people personally that have no long-term friendships because they've got their family too much in the very center of their life not allowing just letting the family suck every bit of life out of them but are also some people are just way too tied to 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 the family and so they don't get these long-term relationships and friendships that really would would benefit their lives and add and enhance and cause them to grow spiritually the, a lot of things about family is that even though family is very important i love family and i stress family and i'll pray for my family and i want my family and i want to stay connected and pastor and i have paid a price to stay connected we don't insist on being right because we don't want to make people choose and a lot of times, mother-in-laws, and I never try, I never say, I always say, I will never make Colin or Eric choose between, you know, between me, because I would be the loser. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know I'd lose. And a lot of mothers take too big a stand with their sons or too big a stand for their sons, and or sometimes you could for your daughters. And I, I told my mom one time, don't make me choose. I, you know, I had to say that at the first of the marriage one time, and I made my point clear. Don't make me choose, because you will lose. Hallelujah. And that's, but a lot of people don't have those family relationships in balance, and they would choose family even over marriage. You know, they write into Dear Abby all the time and say, you know, how, what do I do about this? He's at his mother's all the time. Hallelujah. And different things like that. So get those things in balance. That's part of having the renewed mind. And then have this church uh, idea of I'm, I'm, I'm finding my pastor and I'm staying. I'm hooking up there. And that doesn't mean if he moves to Russia, you have to go if he goes to the mission field. But it's not uh, come in for a year and then I'm gone to the next one. And then I go here and then I go there. and then Because that's, that's just a plan that the enemy has to keep you from ever growing and from ever dealing with anything. Thing. If you bail every time the going gets rough, because the going's going to get rough in a family, and the going's, we're a church family, going's going to get rough sometimes, and you're going to have to work through the problems. Hallelujah. You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to overlook and all sorts of stuff, and marriage the same way. A lot of people bail on their marriage, but the reason a lot of times marriages don't work, and this I'm going to give you some points here, is Make sure in marriage, and I'm preaching to young people now, most everybody else is married, but if you're not, you need to start out right. That's the best, that's the most important advice I could give you about marriage is start out right. If you start out wrong, you just got built-in problems. It's our, don't build on a wrong foundation. You know, the, 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 even in Sunday school, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Hallelujah. The children are supposed to know. That's why you sang that song in Sunday school. Build your marriage house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Build it on the right foundation. Build it in divine order. Build it like the Bible says. Build it on the rock. Don't build on the sand because when you build on the sand, when the storm comes, it blows it over. And if it doesn't blow it over, it'll be, it'll be damaged. 
It's hard to fix things afterwards. Even in a church, me and pastor, like, we don't have a problem with people texting and gaming in the church. We got this sign up here, please no texting or gaming. So much easier to fix things before somebody's back there playing. I don't think we have a problem. If we do, if you see them, whop them upside the head. And I tell you, Miss Debbie told you to. Because we want to keep this place. There's a window of heaven open over this place, I can tell you. Over this place, I don't know why. Over this crazy little building that looks like a maze, there is something about this place. We found it. We found a place. I don't know what it is. We won't keep it that way. And that's one way we don't want the texting and the gaming. And me and Pastor aren't down here watching soap operas in this building. You know, we try to be careful what we do here in this building. Okay. So, uh, so the, that's the way marriage is, is you start out right. You start out right, and you don't have to fix things later because things are hard to fix later. You don't build a house in the bedroom. You don't start building a house in the bedroom, folks. You don't build a marriage starting in the bedroom or in the back seat of a car. Or you're on the wrong foundation. You know, it is so easy to be one flesh. You can be one flesh with a harlot. That's what the Bible says. You can be one flesh with a harlot. The Bible says if you join yourself to a harlot, you're one flesh with her. And let me tell you the second song to that verse is, everybody you've ever had sex with, your soul now picked up some of their crud and you carry it. And then you're going to have to go through some purging and probably maybe deliverance. You can pick up their family curses. It's not worth it. I mean, I... Now, and, and, you know, a good sexual relationship in marriage, I'm all about that. I'm for it. Me and Pastor are for that. But I tell you, it's not, sex is not worth destruction. and It's not worth it. And I know that when you're 16, you might not realize that, but you will in a few years. Hallelujah. Um, so you don't start in the back seat of a car. You don't start in one flesh. It's easy. Being a soulmate is harder than being one flesh. But let me tell you something. Being soulmate's not enough. Because the soul is can be... You can think you're a soulmate just because you're having an emotion. Oh, we're just soulmates. No, you want to be one spirit. And being one spirit with a man or being one spirit with a woman takes the blessing of God. And there's a lot of people living together and they're married and they got a document from the courthouse... But they're not one spirit. They might even be soulmates. They might even have an emotion every once in a while. And emotions come and emotions go. And even in a marriage, we are one spirit. We have the blessing of God and marriage is not hard. You know, that's one thing you'll find is when you get the right one, marriage isn't hard. We don't have to work at it. We don't have to work at staying married. It's just no, it's a no-brainer. But even then, you know, there's days that I feel really, boy, I love him. He just, oh, you're so sweet. You're just so, oh, you're. And then there's days that I just don't feel all those lovey-dovey things. <laughs> Do y'all ever have a day where it's, where it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm not overwhelmed with emotion today. And there's been days I've been overwhelmed with a contrary emotion because he did something I didn't like or something. Now, I know y'all didn't think the pastors ever, you know, had a tiff or anything, and we try not to let strife come, but hallelujah. 
But there's been days I liked him better than others. Most of the time I like him a lot. And if you don't feel that way, something's wrong. Hallelujah. Are you still on your honeymoon or something? Okay. Um, uh, so another thing is having respect for each other's beliefs in a, in a relationship. And this could be for any relationship, but in marriage. You know, if you, even in your family, though, if your family doesn't respect your beliefs, there's not going to be a whole lot of relationship. It's going to be surface. You're going to be talking about if they don't respect your beliefs. And in a marriage, though, uh, it's, it should be more than respected beliefs. It should be shared beliefs. You're starting out on a bad foundation when it's like, well, I don't believe in healing. Well, I just don't want to be married to you. Now, one good thing, now me and Pastor, we started out on the same foundation. We neither one believed in healing. We weren't against it. We just didn't know anything about it. But we were both little Baptists. And we believed in going to church. We had the same value system. And then we progress together. And I realize some people start out at the same place and the wife gets real spiritual and gets baptized in the Holy Ghost and the husband uh, doesn't move as fast. That happened to my grandparents. My grandfather, he didn't like it. And he, he did everything from locking her into a closet for speaking in tongues. And, and uh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was hard. It was tough. But love saw him through in the end. And, uh, but it was a few years there that were really, really tough because she moved away from the, she moved out of the Baptist and, and maybe she didn't handle anything, everything right. But I know it was God's will because she got baptized in the Holy Ghost on her ranch by herself, didn't even know what it was, got slain in the spirit in the hallway and started speaking in tongues. So it was not like, oh, you should have stayed behind with your husband. Well, you know, she, somebody needed to have told God that. Before he, uh, uh, before he uh, baptized her in the Holy Ghost. Um, so, <clears throat> hallelujah. So, uh, our marriage should be shared beliefs. Let me give you a newsflash. That person that you're dating, God is not going to change them. And so many people say, oh, I know, God, you're going to change them. I know you're going to fill them with the Spirit. No, He's not. If they change, you know what? They're going to change themselves. The God is not going to change them. God will never break a person's will. And He sure won't even let you break their will. And uh, don't expect God to prove Himself to them. Now, God, you're just going to heal me, and it's going to prove to them. Nope. Every time I hear somebody get up and testify, well, now I just want God to heal me so that everybody down there at that church will know that God really does heal. Well, number one, they won't believe it even when they see it. They don't believe the Bible. They're not going to believe your healing. They're just going to discount it or call it something else or hallelujah. But number two, he's not going to do it. That is, he will not do it for that reason. That's not how that's not a good way to get anything from God is that bargaining way <laughs> to prove himself to them. And then number three, uh, in relationships, and this is for all relationships, you're gonna have to give a lot of grace. Hallelujah. Even if you're not a very giving person, you're gonna have to learn to give. If you're selfish, if you can forget that. That's fixed to all change. Now, I, I mean I was, I was a I was a spoiled only child. Pastor didn't know what he is getting into. I had been, I had uh, been blessed and spoiled, and uh, never had to get along. I didn't have to get along with any brothers and sisters or nothing. 
I didn't have to get along with anybody. I just took my toys and went to the house if anybody did something wrong, you know. Hallelujah. So uh, you're going to have to, but a good marriage or a good relationship and a good friendship, you're going to have to give a lot of grace. And in friendship, you really are. Because in marriage, you can fight it out. But a lot of times in friendship, you've got to overlook a lot of stuff. Me and Pastor decided a few years ago that relationships with other ministers and friends that we have, that it was super, super important. And so we decided we were just going to um, overlook a lot of stuff. And that we were just going to, we just said, you know, relationships are too valuable to be separated over this. And because in our friendships, people have done things we don't like. They've acted in ways that we didn't care for at times. But we said this relationship is valuable. And so uh, you have to spend a lot of, you sometimes in friendships, you have to pretend that didn't happen. Now, me and, me and Pastor have a tiff. I just go tell him, well, I didn't like that. And that hurt my feelings. And I don't know if you do that. That's not generally his mode of operation because he will just get past it himself and, you know, ignore it. But it's like, I don't know, something about me, it's like I got to face that thing head on. I've just got to, you know, hallelujah. I know that's uh, may not be the best way, but that's just how, that's how I tick. And so, but in friendships, you can't always do that. So there's going to be a lot of forgiveness, a lot of pretending that didn't happen. Let's just overlook that. Let's just, uh, let's just put that behind us. Let's produce, we, in friendships, you're going to have to produce an effort. There's not, a, if it's a one-way relationship, it's not really a relationship in friendships. Now, I'm going to say this to you because me and Pastor have a lot of friends that are this way, that um, they're, they're too passive. They don't put, do their part in the relationship. They make me and Pastor do it all. They're what I call socially passive. They like social. They'll come anytime you invite them, but they're passive. They're going to sit around and wait if it was six months until you call. You will not get a very strong relationship that way. Now, I'm not saying don't call. We just, we're going ahead because we realize people are wounded, people are hurt, people are all sorts of things. But at some point, if you want friendships, you're going to have to do some of the doing because eventually they'll, they'll abandon you. Okay, uh, so relationships are valuable. Long-term heart connections with people will do more for our personal growth and maturity as a Christian than you could ever imagine. I think that's why some people don't grow is because they don't get into that iron sharpening iron place. Friendships, somebody that's a little different than you but yet you enjoy being with, they'll sharpen you spiritually. They'll cause you to have to mature. Hallelujah. Number 13, this is a victorious mindset. This one's going to go really fast. See, now I could have spent six months teaching on relationships, but I'm just trying to get you a, I'm just trying to give you some things that'll help you have a victorious mindset towards relationships. Hallelujah. Number 13, I encounter God by faith, not by feelings. That is a victorious way of thinking. I encounter God by faith, not by feelings. This will overcome the something's wrong with me syndrome. Have you ever had the something's wrong with me syndrome? Y'all aren't admitting it, but I have. What is, what, what is wrong with me? Why is this not working? 
I've asked people, what is wrong with me? Why is this not working? I've had the what's wrong with me syndrome. But let me give you some things. Um, Some people have bought into the lie. There's something wrong with me. I'm just not spiritual. Everybody else in this church is really spiritual, but I am just not spiritual. You know, some people feel like they're joy impaired and encounter impaired. In other words, I don't ever have an encounter. I don't really have that joy. I don't laugh in the floor hysterically. Something's wrong with me. Um, You know, maybe it's like this. You know, they said the presence of God was here this morning. I didn't feel anything. Something's wrong with me. God doesn't speak to me. Something's wrong with me. Or I received prayer and nothing happened. Something's wrong with me. Or you ever been prayed for? And they prayed and they went, there it is, there it is, there it is. And you go, I didn't feel anything. Something's wrong with me. (laughs) I want to get you past this tonight. And so I'm giving you this victorious mindset. If you have had those feelings, something's wrong with me, there's two unvictorious things that will start to happen with you. Number one, you'll either start trying harder. Oh, I'm just really trying. I'm trying so hard. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm getting the word of knowledge. I'm going to get it. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm so trying so hard, you know. Well, first of all, that's all just flesh, isn't it, and soul. It's not anything spiritual about it. But number two, the other thing, if you don't do that, then you'll do this. You'll go, they're weird. They're weird. That Leanne, she is weird. Because she laughs and she is weird. And so instead of to get the something's wrong with me syndrome taken care of, you go, she's weird. That Miss Debbie, she's just a little weird. You know, she sees angels. I don't know about that, you know, and I don't see angels and, you know. Uh, But, you know, everything that was wrong with us and something was wrong with us, Jesus fixed it when he died on the cross. Hallelujah. Um, So we need to learn, one of the things we've got to learn in this is to trust God that if there's anything really wrong, I mean destructively wrong with us, God is work. He's He's going to fix it in us. Amen. You know, you can relax and be spiritual. I think sometimes we're just fearing that if I'm spiritual, I'll get weird. If I'm spiritual, well, I might get a... instead of an angel that came in the door and that Miss Debbie saw, what if that was a demon and he was dressed up like Jesus? And, you know, you just have, you just work at all these things and, uh, and uh, hallelujah. Uh, So um, I think we need to relax and trust God. Now, if the hair stands up on the back of your neck, I'd say, beware. You know, God starts, you know, you start feeling, hmm, Beware. But as long as everything's cool and, you know, like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, Another thing is we misunderstand how to receive from God. We try to receive by feeling. When they go, there it is, there it is, that's it. Instead of just saying, wow, okay, okay, I believe it. We go, I didn't feel it. Well, you can't receive by feeling. They say, whoa, the presence of God just came in. You go, well, I didn't feel it. Well, you're not supposed to be feeling it. Just believe it. Amen? 
And another problem is trying, they say, well, you know, oh, did I, trying to see with your eyeballs. Like, you know, it's like, oh, Miss Debbie saw, saw, saw an angel. Okay, I'm going to look. And uh, I'm going to look. I'm going to see if I can see an angel. And you're trying to see it with your eyeballs. And uh, <clears throat> that's not how we do it. We have to believe that we are touched powerfully every time, even though we feel nothing. You get prayed for, you're supposed to believe you were touched powerfully even though you felt nothing. You believe, I really believe something happened inside of me. I really believe something was imparted. I don't feel anything, but it doesn't have to show up right now. I, I believe I got something. Amen. So we believe that we are touched powerfully every time, even though we feel nothing. We believe first, and then experiences and encounters come. If you're not having encounters with God, and you're not having experiences with the Holy Ghost, you need to believe first, and then the experiences and the encounters will come. We're going to turn over to John, and we're just going to end with this. We're just about through, I promise, and I'm not like Pastor. It does mean something. I promise it does. Unless, no. John 20, verse 25. This is Thomas. And you know, nobody ever says to Thomas in the Bible, Well done! Hallelujah. But verse 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in, in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. It's like, I, I, I can't just see this. i got to handle it. i got to touch it. i got to be able to feel it. You know, because when Jesus walks in your room at night, you may not know, is that Jesus' flesh and bone Jesus? You may not be able to tell. Is that Jesus spirit, Jesus? Is that angel just a spirit? Is that angel a... Uh, or is that just a vision? Or is that... You just got to believe it. Amen. Then a contrast to that is John 1, verse 45. And I love this. Pastor and I talked about this the other day, but I've had this wrote in my Bible a while. John 1, verse 45 says... Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? What he was actually saying was, it was it was it was that the, what the prophets said that something was going to come out of Nazareth? Um, and, and he wasn't saying, now all the people in Nazareth are bad people, so nothing can... No, no, he's saying, was the good thing God promised, was that prophesied to come out of Nazareth? He was asking a legitimate question. Philip saith unto him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael saith unto him, whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip called thee, whom... When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. And Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said I saw thee under the fig tree, even Jesus is amazed by this, because I saw you under the fig tree, I said I saw you, believest thou? 
Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. There is so much in this verse. But first of all, Nathaniel was easily persuaded to believe. Jesus said one word of knowledge to him. One word of knowledge. Not even real spectacular. And one word of knowledge. And he said, Man, you are the Christ, the Son of God. You're the Messiah. Hallelujah. And, he's a, and Jesus said, You believe? And he said, And then he told him what the reward would be. You're going to see greater things. If you can believe that and you're a believer that quick, you'll see greater things. And so there's a reward there. And he also told him, he said, Ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That shall answer, should answer your question right there. Because Nathaniel's not even born again. And Jesus told him, You can see the kingdom. You can see heaven open. You can see angels. And we can see into the kingdom of God. We should be expecting to. We should not be overlooking this verse all these years. We should be expecting to see angels. It shouldn't be no big surprise. Any big surprise. Or no big surprise either. It shouldn't be any. It should not surprise us to, to see something spiritual. Hallelujah. You know, when I think I see something, I just assume I did. But a lot of people take the other stance. They see something and they assume, oh, I don't think, I bet, you know, that, you know. Because it's so uh, ordinary when you see. It does not come with, it, you know, you don't see showers of glory. and I mean, sometimes you might, but most of the time it's just like, oh, wow, there was an angel. I just got a glimpse of that. And it's so ordinary, it nearly seems like it was just your thoughts. But I always assume it was... I just take the other assumption. I just make myself take the other assumption. I do stay teachable and I keep myself subject to the prophets. Because see, we're supposed to let the prophets judge. And so I'm teachable. Man, if, if there's a prophet in our midst and pastor, you know, I'm willing for him to say, no, that wasn't God, Debbie. And if you're not willing, then you've got a problem. Because... You know, nothing's of any private interpretation. No prophecy of God's of any private interpretation. It, if, if it's really God, the prophets will agree with it. Amen? So um, our experience and our encounter is going to follow faith. So when you see something, assume you did. Praise God. It's easier to trust God. It's easier to be a believer than an unbeliever. Hallelujah. I don't believe there's any atheists. I don't. I really don't believe, I don't believe anybody believes in evolution. I don't believe scientists believe in evolution. I believe they're too smart for that. Because you have to be, either that or they're supernaturally deceived. Because you can't realize that, Pastor was telling me that if the oxygen levels in the earth were to drop just so much, just a tiny, tiny bit, we'd all just die. And all these things that have to run and function just perfectly... There's no scientist that has any intelligence whatsoever that can believe that that just happened by a bang. That is, that, you know what it is? It's not that I don't believe that there is something higher doing this. What it is is I don't want to admit there's a God. Because if I admit there's a God, I've got to face my homosexuality. I've got to face my pervert sin in my life. I've got to change my life if I ever acknowledge there's a God. I believe it's a big scam. 
I believe it's a big scam. Now, you might convince a child or something, but anybody's got any amount of intelligence. God made man too intelligent for that. And if we are intelligent enough to invent the internet and to... I know Al Gar's not intelligent enough to invent the internet. <laughs> Hallelujah. I looked at him and I said, that is not intelligent enough. Hallelujah. <laughs> Even though he claims it. Uh, Hallelujah. Praise God. Like the Russians. Have you ever been to Russia? But the Russians think that everything that has been invented, they made it better. They really believe that. And it's like... Yes, this is documented. They, made, they, they didn't invent the internet, but they've made it better. They barely have internet over there, but yet they have improved it. And I, I mean, hallelujah. <laughs> but I don't believe, I see it's easier to believe than it is to believe that garbage, that trash. It's easier to believe in God than to believe there's not a God. Hallelujah. It's believe, easier to believe in intelligent design than it is to believe in swamp gas and explosions and you know yes and i but you know what there is evolution but it's opposite of what they think and it's in the bible mankind that sins you get more and more animal and ape-like the more you sin and that's what happened to nebuchadnezzar and so far until finally started growing hair and eating like a ox eating grass so you can evolve backwards if you want to. Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you, I'm sorry that I was some rough on y'all tonight. Didn't mean to be. But I, hallelujah, I do love you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we praise you for tonight. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for helping us have victorious mindsets. Give us boldness, Lord, to confront falsehood to confront where we've lied to ourselves confront where we've believed the lie that's perpetuated in out in the world system lord forgive us and wash us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness we give you the glory we give you the praise in jesus name amen pray pastor coming